Good evening, and welcome to a long-delayed episode of It's 1985. Good morning. Now, about uh, 16 of you may recall, this podcast is the podcast I unceremoniously abandoned sometime around April or May of this year, and that was largely because I kind of got busy, other things to do. But, um... I brought it back in large part as historical documentation of uh, this evening. It's um, Sunday, November 3rd, 2019. It's um, my last night as a 46-year-old. And um, it it has no real historical significance. I mean, scientists are going to discover this 400 years from now languishing in the ether and they're going to listen to it and go, who is this vulgar half-witted yutz laying on his laundry on a kitchen table drinking a um, uh, two-town cider house? This is called the Bad Apple. It's called the Imperial, Imperial Apple. It's actually very tasty and... Um, uh, just for your edification, I'm pretty sure it has nothing to do with the York Imperial Apple, so rest assured that you can enjoy one of these fuckers before a roaring fire and not have to worry about fire blight, which is very important in this day and age. And um, a two-town cider house is... Um, bottled and brewed and masterminded in Corvallis, Oregon, right there on East Gate Circle. And they're the Pacific Northwest premier cider makers since 2010 when I was 38 years old. So they've been doing this shit for a long time. I mean, these aren't your fucking novices, man. If you find a bottle of... Two Town Cider House, anything, I suggest you drink it right there on site because it's going to blow your fucking mind, man. And, um, hi, I'm Corey Fry. And I think I'm a little liquid. <laughs> but, um, and I thought, what a perfect time to, um, record a podcast and uh, shovel it out there for posterity and future embarrassment. The last uncowardly act of my 46th year. And because I've been, oh God, it's just, it's, it's weird. I mean, I'm, I don't know why I'm even thinking of year 47. I mean, it's, it's such an insignificant year. I mean, 30 Thirty is something else, man. That's the that's the precipice, man. That's the teeter totter from young to adult. I mean, I remember when I was thirty, I said, "Man, I'm an adult now. I gotta take care of all the young shit I left behind." You know, I paid off my college loans. I told a girl I loved her. I moved on because I thought that's what you do at thirty: you clean up your old messes and you move on. And that was a milestone. And um, 
And I turned 34, and my friend Reggie Collins was like, congratulations, man, you made it to your mid-30s. And I'm like, no, 34 is not your mid-30s. According to math, your mid-30s would be 35. 35, 36, that's your mid-30s. But I, I passed 35, and I passed 36. And Reggie eventually became right. I mean, 36, 36, God, I was, 36, I was just fucking inconsolable that day because I sat there and thought, I remember I was listening to the Talking Heads once in a lifetime, and I I actually heard it for the first time in my life. I mean, when I was, I mean, previously it was just this silly song about a, spasmodic dude who didn't recognize where he lived or the woman he was married to. I, I took it literally, but, you know, when you hit 36, you're like, holy shit, this, this is your own life, man. You reach this age and you're like, where have I been? Where have I gone? Who are these people? Who am I? And it's a question you never stop asking, I don't think. And, um, and I was disconsolate for a few years and I hit 40 and 40 40 is another milestone you know Judd Apatow had a movie called this is 40 that year and I, I felt some solidarity because I thought there are other people who are turning 40 this year besides me and they understand how it feels and at 40 you can kind of sit around with your friends and kind of joke about how old you're getting and all the aches and pains in your body and how it hurts to stand up. It hurts to lay down. It hurts to even think. And it's, it's just, it's just a good time. It's, it's like play acting at elderly. But God, 47. Sounds so dismal. It's so unimportant. It's like a, a wing of a library where they store all the old highlights for children's magazines from the 70s and nobody fucking reads anymore because all the science in there is outdated and maybe even socially unacceptable, you know? <laughs> it's, like, it's like they have old Goofus and Gallant cartoons where Goofus is like lunging over a desk at the teacher salaciously going, I must have you. You know, Gallant in the next frame is like, Mrs. Duncan, I think you have the nicest ass I've ever seen on a substitute teacher, and it would be my honor to touch it with my pinky. And you can't say that stuff anymore. You know, so it's, it's outdated and you're 47, and you're just meaningless. Meaningless and outdated. That's that's not really how I feel, but sometimes I feel like that. And most of the, Honestly, most of this day, I've... You, know, you just kind of... And this recording is like taking stock of my life at this point, you know, like a, a state of the nation, a state of the notion... State of my state or whatever, you know. I don't know, fuck it. But you just kind of think of 
you reach this point, you kind of think of all of every, everything in your life, man, and you kind of marvel at all the things that were possible when you were a kid, you know, things like 47, I'm part of the last generation to have known people who predated electricity and automobiles. I knew some 19th century people. I mean, I'm part of a generation that could find like a the, the daguerreotype in the attic and then I could go downstairs and I could call my great-grandma and I could say, who are these people in this jagged photograph I cut my finger open on? And she would say, oh, that's your great-great-uncle Otis and the little baby is your great-uncle Gordon, who died in the Great War when he contracted anthrax from a fucking horse. <laughs> oh, I hate to talk about Gordon that way, but wherever you are, Gordon, I hope you riding them Mustangs, baby. Ugh. But God, to think that you could sit down and have a conversation with someone from another century before all the advancements we've taken for granted and just talk to them about their lives is just, I don't know, it's, it's fucking astounding to me. You know, that I... I knew people who could be 120, 130 years old now, you know? And, you know, I could look at a picture of a, a guy, a dour, stiff guy on a beach in 1910, you know, a guy with a big bushy mustache and a dour expression and big steely eyes, and I could go, I didn't know you, but I knew your wife. I knew your daughter, and they were some of the biggest influences on my life, and I thank you for bringing them to me. But, but then I also, I also remember an era where people thought that decorating your kitchen in dominant oranges and greens was stylish. <laughs> they saw nothing wrong with they saw nothing wrong with it I mean they it was stylish you know they, their friends would come over and go wow God look at this kitchen it my god this wallpaper it's it inspired by Lee Trevino's weekend pants and oh my god I love how the telephone matches the spice rack and the the, the macrame handle on the Sears Solid State 10-inch black-and-white television you got on the counter so you're going to watch Happy Days while you chop fucking cucumbers. It's such a nice 
touch and oh wow who brought the low and brow and god ted ted they have a etched mirrored wall in the dining room god this is a this is fucking amazing let's break out the low and brow here's to good friends tonight is kind of special <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was kind of, I was kind of thinking, you know, it would be great to have had those home makeover in, interior decorating shows back in the seventies. God, like, oh God, those would be so so fucking funny now. <laughs> Frank, Frank, what do you envision for this living room? Well, Aaron. I'd like the living room to look like the inside of a bear's asshole. And my wife and I are debating on whether the den should resemble the most depraved sexual fantasy of a lion tamer or a long-dead phosphate retailer. And I was wondering, well, those are all great ideas, and I think what this dresser in this master bedroom really needs is four sets of these blue grass grapes. And Ted, that, that Colt 45 shirt of yours needs a few more frills, don't you think? And this room definitely needs more fucking guitars. And this... The carpet just the carpet just isn't purple enough. How can you how can you call this relaxing and there's no purple? I mean your house needs to look like your van, Ted. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> And my, my parents were fairly young. My, my parents were kids practically when I was born. I mean, my dad was, dad was 22 when I first burst upon the scene. And um, he, he um, in my baby book, that old hippie dedicated Peter Yarrow's song to me. That was a song he sang to me when he was a baby. When I when I was a baby. When I was a baby. Not when my dad was a baby. Certainly not when Peter Yarrow was a baby. I don't know what the fuck anyone sang to Peter Yarrow was. When Peter Yarrow was a baby. Probably something like Mama's Little Baby's Got Shortening, Shortening. I don't know. But um, it's a great song, though. I, Tell me why you're crying, my son. I don't remember the rest of the moment, but it's it's very poignant. My dad's just that kind of guy, and I'm, I'm kind of that guy, too. My mom, my mom was 20, and that's, that's impossible for me to believe. A 20-year-old mother, I don't know how she did it with a little baby like me. You know, when I wasn't painting the television with liquid paper, I was running down the street with $20 to McDonald's. <laughs> and 20, $20, $20 went a long way at McDonald's, and... 1977. I, I can tell you that right now. 
But, um, so my parents' friends, so my parents' friends, all the dudes look like Cat Stevens just jumped off the fucking cover of that Greatest Hits album in, this, in that same shirt and just showed up at the door, right? This, oh, Corey, this is, uh, this is our friend Russ Moy. Oh, hi, Mr. Moy. I'm very pleased to meet you. Oh, very young, what will you leave us this time? You're only dancing on this earth for a short while. I mean, he's a Russ Moy. Oh, good old Russ Moy. Oh, Corey, uh, Russ and Linda, Russ and Linda are leaving. Why don't you say goodbye? Oh, goodbye, Linda. Goodbye, Russ. Morning has broken like the first morning. Russ, wherever you are now, Russ, I commend you. He's not with us anymore. He was a good guy. Now, what else to say about my childhood? I don't know. It's all just kind of swimming around in my head right now. But um, I think the biggest reason I recorded this embarrassment is because, like I kind of alluded to earlier, I'm, I'm, I'm a very nostalgic, sentimental guy. And I've been that way all my life. I mean, I was, even as a kid, I was that way. I was like, I was one of those kids who on Friday, I longed for Monday. You know, and... In September, I was mad for August. Like, yeah, fucking August, man. Like, you remember August? August was the best. Long live August. And this is this is actually true. I'm very serious now. This is actually true. My last day of high school, 1990, the night before, the night before my last day of high school, I spent in my bedroom, you know, that kind of numb, nostalgic thrill, you know, the, the anticipation of an historic life achievement rumbling in your young virgin belly, and I sat there and I reminisced over a, a Pink Floyd mixtape that I had thrown together, especially for the occasion, as a nostalgic kind of lubricant, right? So I sat there in my bedroom with this tape deck, just listening to these memory-themed Pink Floyd songs all night long, over and over again. Let me in from the cold. Turn my lead into gold. Cause there's a chill wind blowing in my soul. And I think I'm growing old. And what else was there? It was, um. And then one day you'll find ten years have got. Behind you, no one told you when to run. 
You missed the starting gun. Oh, what else was there? My friends are lying in the sun. I wish that I was there. Tomorrow brings another town, another girl like you. From your bed I came today and lost a bloody year. But I want to know How does it feel? How does it feel? Remember when you were young You shone like the sun Shine on you crazy diamond how I wish, how I wish you were here. We're just two lost souls swimming in a fishbowl year after year, running over the same old ground. Well, have you found the same old fears? Wish you were here. And little did I know at that time that, I mean, imagine that being melancholy about losing people you were going to see 12 hours later in blue mortarboard walking down an aisle and then marching out of your life and onto Facebook where you'll find them 30 years later in similar straits as you. You're 47. God, it's such a weird fucking age, man. My grandparents' generation is vanishing. My parents' generation is vanishing, and mortality is constantly overhanging us all. Friends, enemies, loved ones, and us. I mean, think about it. 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 it. Really. At 47, we are now at an age where youthful stupidity doesn't kill us anymore. What kills us now is the mundane. You know, fucked up things, things you see in movies. I mean, things that wouldn't have killed us 20 years ago. Now it can be just as simple as our bodies deciding at some point that it's no longer worth hauling us around. I mean, I could go to sleep 
any one of us could go to sleep and some voice will pipe up as we dream and say, I've had enough. And that's it. And it's a scary thing. And it's a real thing. And it's not something I want to think about. And I don't know where to take this episode now. But I think I'm going to finish this beer and tuck myself in for the evening and hope that 47 is just the beginning of yet another insightful, long, reflective learning adventure. I'm going to see some of you soon. And I'm, I just want you to know that I love you all. I loved you when I was young. I love you when I'm old. I may not always say it, but it's there. Happy birthday to us all.